Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is Smitty. What's going on, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm just ready to... We're going to do something different today. What do you think? Yeah, I think so, and... too. There's, when it comes to the... Especially when it comes to this, the Penguins and the Pirates, not much going on right now, so we got to kind of switch it up a little bit. Yeah, and this is going to be cool because I think that the listeners slash viewers of this show um, are going to be able to play along with us with this as well and see what they think. Let us know in the comments. So head on over to the YouTube channel, subscribe, hit the like button, and in the comments, leave us your answers to what we're going to talk about. So with this pirate segment that we're going to kick off the show with, we're going to do a little bit of a should they stay or should they go game. So I'm going to give you some players. You're going to give me your answer. This is players that are currently on the roster. Right. Um, I do want to give a little bit of a cap tip to Gary Morgan and Jim Stan with uh, our Pirates Fan Forum show, also on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, because the thing that they did on their recent show where they were giving prospects saying, like, timeline, if they thought they could make their debut, uh, this kind of triggered me to want to provide this type of content on today's show. I thought it'd be a good way to get the listeners slash viewers of the show involved, which, by the way, Shout out to everybody that's either listened to the show prior to us joining the network, found us then, whatever it might be, because we are blowing the roof off the numbers that we were putting up before joining the network. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, if you are new, thanks so much for joining us along. Follow us, our Twitter, at Around the 412 to keep up with everything over there. All right, so let's go through some names here. <laughs> the first two are going to be guys that, that I feel like they, they just keep getting recycled every single year. We wonder if they're going to be on the team. Yep. Steven Brault is going to be the first one that we bring up. Immediately, my answer is yes. And I know he's had a lot of injury trouble this year, but my immediate reaction is thinking how many left-handed pitchers do the Pirates have in the entire system, as a matter of fact, not just on the big league club. Practically zero. So he's really the only one, and he's really the only one that can also be do it as a starter too. So for that reason, I think, yes, he will be back. Um, And I, I feel like... The pitchers will be more valuable to the Pirates coming back more so than a lot of the positional players because I feel like there's a lot of lot more positional players that are MLB ready or almost MLB ready or at least like the guys that we got this year that are like Rule 5 eligible. Like we, we, we want to give these guys a shot. We don't really have a lot of pitchers like that. So for that, that reason alone, I feel like Steven Brault to me is a yes. He's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, the only thing for me is it's between him and Dylan Peters. I think they're going to carry over one of these lefties to start in the rotation next year. It's just between those two, which one's it going to be? And it's like Brault, by default, hasn't gotten to either showcase himself this year or play himself completely out of a role just because injuries have completely taken away his 2021 season. So I don't know if that's for better or for worse for him. Like maybe he's completely hiding the fact and he'll be be just by default a lefty in the in the rotation next year i don't know but i would think yeah one of those two in my opinion will start out in the rotation um regardless of if they're one of the best five options just because like you said they're gonna have a lefty in there and that's the thing um, even if brawl isn't in the starting rotation i still feel like he's gonna be in the bullpen they, they just need left-handed arms they don't have enough speaking of guys that have made that transition from the rotation to the bullpen we've seen it in the 2021 season chad cool is he on the team next year or no this one's a lot tougher. Um, I feel like, especially because he's a right-handed pitcher, there's a lot more of those that go around, and especially for the Pirates. But we thought going into the year that the bullpen was going to be one of the strengths of this team. 
we were quickly proven otherwise. Um, really, realistically, it's really only been David Bednar the past like month and a half that has done anything for the Pirates. Well, yeah, they also they did trade Rich Rod, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not including him. He 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 was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently on the team, David Bednar is really the only reliever that's been performing well for the Pirates. So it, it's kind of tough because he's been here a long time. And he has just recently made that switch to being a bullpen arm. But mm-hmm. I just feel like with how many bullpen arms there can be, and it's like how how much are you going to have to pay this guy in arbitration to still be on the team whenever you could probably pay someone to do equal to maybe even a little bit better work out of the bullpen for less money. So yeah. I'm going to say no. He's not going to be on the team. I, I just I just think his time is up in Pittsburgh, and it's a shame because I feel like you and I were both pretty big Chad Cole fans for the longest time. Um, yeah. it, it was a shame that he had the Tommy John surgery that really like ruined that season for him. And I, I just think that his time's up. That's that's pretty much it. This it, it's not like any hard feelings or anything. Like he, he did his best here. I just think there's you can get a lot more relievers for less money than you'd have to pay Ch- Chad Cole. And I mean, let's be honest, he's not like pitching like lights out anyway so there's really no reason to keep them they need that bullpen spot for mitch keller that's why he's not that's back. true because mitch <laughs> keller sucks and he's but not gonna I be a starter that, i think chad cool uh like you i don't think that he's on the team next year i actually could see i thought he was gonna get moved this past off season um but i think i i'm so i'm not worried about it like i hope that it happens for him i think that he's gonna go somewhere and be like a really good reliever somewhere like i think that that's his perfect role like you said we both really liked him but i didn't love him as like a starter i always thought that he'd be best suited in a short term or not not short term short uh stint role like where you're just asking to go in and maybe two um so yeah i mean I, i'm a chad cool fan i hope that it works out for him but i just i don't see as long by the way currently the longest tenured pirate so that would change if he wasn't on the team next year who who would um, be after him probably bro would it be bro <laughs> yeah probably because i was gonna say frazier's gone blanca's gone it's, it's not many yeah. guys it, it, the, the the being the longest tenured pirate that year is getting closer and closer pretty soon it's gonna be colin moran Pretty soon it might be if this guy's still on the team. We'll see what you think. Kevin Newman is he on the Pirates next year? Send him to the freaking moon. I I don't care. I, I I've I've really had enough of Kevin Newman. Um, he, he is very perplexing because some he'll go like five games where he has maybe one hit, and then he had that one game where he had like three doubles, and. Mm-hmm. and I, I just I'm I'm kind of like sick of having him around, and I think a big reason that I don't want him on the team next year is that the Pirates in the recent trades have gotten a lot of guys that are Rule Five eligible, so they have to be on the 40 man roster before the Rule Five draft. And I feel like guys like Kevin Newman, they've had their time in Pittsburgh, their tenure has yeah. is done. I, I feel like I would if the, especially if the Pirates are going to be bad, I would rather give the spot to somebody that I don't know what they have quite yet. Like Kevin Newman, he's been here for a while. We know what Kevin Newman is. Some of these guys, we don't know what they are. So I, I feel like that's the people I would want to be on this roster, not someone like Kevin Newman. So no, I don't. I don't think he'll be on the roster. Heck of a spring training though this year. Um, yeah, people thought he was gonna actually, be like the next Babe Ruth after spring training. <laughs> I I don't necessarily want him to be on the roster, but I I do think that he's going to be. I I'm curious to see where they do find these forty man roster spots. Like you said, they got to come from somewhere. Uh, I'm gonna say that the following guy isn't on the roster. That's Cole Tucker. 
let's see what you think on Cole Tucker because that that's I I disagree on Kevin Newman not that I want to but I think he will be here Cole Tucker right. what do you think uh if I'm sending Kevin Newman to the moon <laughs> I'm sending Cole Tucker to the sun uh I, I, for the same reasons essentially especially because at least Kevin Newman has stayed up in the big leagues whether that's deserving or not they just need someone to play the position um but Cole Tucker he's been bad when he's been up here he's spent majority of this year in triple a the best thing about him is that he's dating vanessa hutchins and we didn't even get to see her enough at pirate games this year to make it worth it unbelievable so yeah. i don't think that that is the best reason for him to be on the roster again similar to kevin newman his time is up in pittsburgh for me and i would rather mm-hmm. see some of these younger guys that we've got via trade this year in this past offseason that are rule 5 eligible be on the roster and see what these guys have it's it's kind of like this is just like that old coat in the closet that you just keep like hanging around even though you haven't worn it in years that's basically what cole yeah. tucker is for me yeah uh who was gary it was gary shout out to gary morgan got to bring him up again uh he said the only thing that's not attractive about cole tucker is the way that he plays baseball Everything about him other than that is great. I don't know. It's Have you seen his hairline? Like, I know he has a lot of hair, but, I mean. Yeah, well, the hat hides listen, it. That's the thing. Well, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know best of all, the hat hides the hairline. I mean, sorry to take a shot, but, like, when you had long <laughs> hair, people didn't notice it as much. Ricochet. It, it's, it, it is what it is. You, you, you of all people, know best. <laughs> um, all right, and then the last one is going to be, and this is just – you know, shout out to DK for this one. He's been pounding the table for this. So Ben Gamble, is he back on the Pirates next year? Yes. Wow. I, okay. I, I think that he has been productive enough and uh, a useful asset enough that I think they'll they'll bring him back, especially I, I just feel like they're going to need players to at least have outfield depth. And mm-hmm. uh, like in the system, they don't really have a ton of that that is ready to be at the big league level. So I feel like for that reason alone, um, Ben Gamble is going to be on the team. But I feel like, I mean, what's he been batting? I think he's like batting 260 ish. And, yeah, and, no and literally, for, for on a team like the Pirates this year, I think that that is more than enough um, to justify you bringing him back. You mean for the season or just recently? He sent 252 on the year with a 347 on base percentage. 397 slugging, uh, 744 OPS. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I meant on the season. So 252. Okay. I mean, it's not amazing, but I'll take that. Like on, on a team like this, it's not like you're yeah. expecting a lot of these guys to be good. But I, I feel like he's productive enough and does enough that he warrants coming back next year. My, I, there's definitely going to be a Ben Gamble. I just don't know if it's going to be Ben Gamble. Like you know what I mean? Like that same type of player is going to be on the team next year. Uh, at least to start, because like there's not you know a bunch of people at AAA. Like there's not the top prospect there. Everybody there is like, you know, if if Ben Gamble isn't back, we might get to see our boy Bly Madris. That'd be great. So maybe we don't want Ben Gamble back. Maybe but it's no one is like chomping at the bit at AAA getting to the MLB level. Like there's not that type of top prospect waiting in the wings there. So there's going to be a Ben Gamble. Is it going to be Ben Gamble though? Back. That's I just don't know. I feel like I, I, the, I'd be completely fine if it was him. I, I think the high possibility that it could be him is for a couple reasons. One, he's familiar with the team. I feel like the team likes him, and I feel like overall, like the fan base, like enjoys him. I, I don't. I don't think there's any really like anybody Pirates fans that dislike him. Also, I, I feel like he's not gonna like 
deserve a lot of money or get a lot of money in a contract to bring him back. So I feel like the Pirates could sign him cheap, which is kind of their MO right now. Um, so I feel like that's that's yeah. another good reason that he'll be back. We shall see. But anyways, let us know in the comments what you guys think about all those names. Do we see back next year Stephen Brault, Chad Cole, Kevin Newman, Cole Tucker, Ben Gamble, any of those five? Let us know in the comments. Like I said, subscribe to the channel. Leave us a like. We'll be back to talk about the Steelers game against the Raiders. We'll recap that. We'll also preview week three against Cincinnati when we come back on Around the 412. This is part of the UK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. back on around the 412 as part of the dk pittsburgh sports podcast network we're gonna talk about the steeler game uh coming off a loss here to the las vegas raiders at home in the home opener heinz field back to full capacity for the first time since december of 2019 um and it did not go the home team's way today uh not just you know in terms of the result of the game i'd say more so what on earth has happened since they came out of buffalo completely healthy that's just completely changed in this last week. Yeah, it, it, they looked like a completely different team. I thought in the second half against Buffalo, they got into a, a better rhythm as a team, especially offensively. Not to say that they were great offensively in Buffalo at all, by any stretch, but I thought at least they, okay, it looks like they're trying to figure out some things, and it looks like they just reverted back to what they were at the start of the Buffalo game, and mm-hmm. it completely reversed from that, but I, I I think the biggest takeaway is that the offense is I mean the, the, we have been but they're basically the 2019 offense again. They we can't depend on them to be able to score points to win games. Yeah, yeah. like they, they, maybe they could score more than 10 points because that's basically what the 2019 offense could do. But still, I, I just think that until this team can shows me that they could score points and actually make. Tr- drives together like in multiple drives not just like one every like four or five drives i don't really have any confidence in this team right now because i, I like honestly next week we have the cincinnati Bengals. but how am i supposed to say like okay we're gonna beat the Bengals whenever i know the Bengals can score and we can't yeah what do you think is you know what's the underlying issues here with this offense <laughs> then is it is it ben is it the receivers not creating enough separation? Is it the line not giving him enough time? Is it the fact that they still aren't able to really, you know, supplement that run game to help out the passing game because he still only ran for what thirty four yards today, something like that. Mm-hmm. Less yeah, than 50, no, I, I think that there's blame to go all around. Last week, it was mainly my gripe was the offensive line, and I think that was very clear. They were still not great today. I think Chooks needs to be replaced immediately um, on the uh, right tackle. As soon as Banner gets back, he needs to be replaced with him and and have Dan Moore and Banner be your tackles because he just looks pathetic out there. But I I think there's a little bit of everything. I think that uh, I've always said that a lot of the grievances that Ben or people have with Ben is a lot of the problems – they have with the offensive line and they just don't really realize it. But today it's just, it wasn't that case. I think that it was the offensive line and it was also Ben like that, that pick 
in the first quarter. That was just a uh, way overthrown. I, I don't know what he was throwing to. Like maybe it yeah. was a miscommunication until on what it the receiver got, was supposed to do. Or until it got returned, I was like, okay, well, I guess that was like punting on third down. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was basically yeah. a punt. But I, and then, like you said, the receivers, and because I noticed like later in the game, especially during the past, run blocking is terrible. The team sucks at it. They, they they cannot run the ball whatsoever. I don't know why they would try to bring in Benny, Benny Snell from some plays. I, I guess just give Najee a break. But, I mean, he can't create anything on his own. At least Najee can do a little bit of that. But it, Najee gets no help from the offensive line running Are the ball. Are you surprised? It's a very minor detail in this. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But as you were saying, it just like made me think about it. Are you surprised to see Benny Snell get run over Kalen Balage behind Najee Harris? Kind of, because I think in the preseason, Kalen Balazs looked like the better running back. Not Now, Benny Snell didn't really play. I, he, he only played in, what, that last preseason game? Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, maybe he that plays into it. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I thought, like, what does he bring to the team? So, yeah, it's a little surprising. Maybe they're bringing him in not only just because they think he's a decent back. Obviously, he's still on the team. They, they have to think that. But at the same time, um, Kalen Balazs is kind of like, the same style as Najee Harris, just not as good. So maybe they think thing and Benny will give them a different approach, but B- Benny just cannot create anything on his own. It's kind of like he, he and Jalen Samuels, I feel like are the same in that boat and Jalen Samuels is not on the team anymore. It, he, they just cannot create without any help. And so I, I and, and neither, really neither can Najee as, at least right now, because the offensive line has been so bad at running the football. And they weren't great today at passing either, but I noticed as the game went on, they were able to make more of a pocket for Ben. But even in those cases, Ben was either just missing or the receivers weren't getting enough space to be able to stay open. It's just a lot of... um, There's no fluidity to this offense, I would say. There's just like... They're really just pathetic, honestly. That's that's where I'm at with it. I, I, I... I was texting my friend Craig today uh, during the game. And I was just like, I'm just bored watching this offense. They, they're not exciting to me, which yeah. is the exact opposite of what they should be. When you look at the skill receiver, like the receivers they have, you have Najee Harris. You added Pat Fryermuth. You had Eric Ebron, who uh, I don't, you were in the stands. Uh, on TV, it looked like a drop, but I don't know if Ben oh, just missed that, him. That uh, one that Ben like, somehow escaped the sack. And yeah, like, yeah. Um, I I didn't think that it was – I mean, had he been able to make that – he was fully stretched out and it just tipped his fingertips. Like, I mm. think that he made it. It would have been a Yeah, because everybody on Twitter was blaming Ebron, which oh. I, I didn't want to do immediately because, yeah. uh, like, the, the angle at the TV, it was basically – we were parallel to Ebron, so we can't really see well, where the ball was. I would say that being there, I kind of always defer to the people on TV. Like, I think they have the better view. So so maybe it was closer, um, but there I thought it was just – you know, it would have been a ridiculous catch had he made it. Um, uh, either way, say, you're talking about Ebron. I I will say there's a lot of bad to talk about here with the offense. However, there was some good, and I think some of that good is the fact that we did see Najee Harris more involved in the passing game, scored his first career touchdown as a Steeler in the receiving game. I also saw a lot of Pat Fryermuth today. He ran a lot of routes, not just inline blocking, um, and he got a little bit more involved. And then uh, Deontay Johnson up until that meaningless play, the last play of the game where he gets injured and 
pray to God that it's not serious because the, yeah. the offense completely changes when he's not on the field. Like I understand James Washington more than capable of, of stepping in as a number three receiver, but it's not just that he's stepping in as a number three receiver and you're losing Deontay Johnson. Like their two skill sets aren't one for one. You know, they don't equal each other. They're nothing alike. Deontay Johnson is easily the best separator on this team. He's the only guy that can separate with consistency on the outside. I he finds his blind spots on the corners. Like he's just a different dude than what they have in the rest of that receiving room without him. If you lose that element to the offense, we're talking about how bad the offense is right now. I mean, I can't imagine what it's going to be like without that guy. He's an X factor for this team. So they cannot afford to lose him for really any period of time, but definitely not for an extensive period of time. That's really the only injury to talk about on the offensive side of the football. I mentioned that coming out of that Buffalo game, they were relatively healthy, so they had nothing to report really with injuries. Since Friday, Friday's practice, we lose Devin Bush and Joe Hayden with groin injuries. They were both questionable to play today. Neither one did. TJ Watt leaves this game with a groin injury. Now, how serious are those groin injuries? Well, those two were serious enough where they weren't able to play. Granted, it's only two days off from when they injured them originally. Mm-hmm. And TJ in game, especially for an edge rusher, that's tough. I, I wouldn't want him to play through that because I don't want him to, you know, further injure that, whatever it is. But really, one that I feel like might lose, get lost in all of this, Tyson Alualu, probably done for the season with a fractured ankle. And because he's done for the season, I'm also going to assume it's more than just a fracture. There's probably some ligament damage in there. I'm not one to speculate, but I know that a fractured ankle would probably knock him out for like eight to 10 weeks. And they're talking this is season ending. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming that it's more than just an, an ankle fracture there for Tyson Alu Alu, which I mean, going back to when he made the decision to re-sign with us because of that whole COVID process where he didn't get to Jacksonville to sign his contract. Like we were so happy to have him back because of what he was for this run defense. Now without him there and without Tuit next week as well. Like once Tuit comes back, it should ease that burden a little bit. Um, I, I have no idea what the game plan is going to be for Cincinnati next week I have no idea either I, I think that's a huge loss on that that defensive line um <clears throat> he, he just brings an element that the other guys at the nose tackle position on the Steelers didn't have which is why it was such a big deal whenever we were able to bring him back after we thought we were going to lose him because we had we had talked last year um on the offseason about how this is going to be like a bigger loss than people realize. And then we were ecstatic that he came back. And now that he's gone again, I, I mean, who who's the first guy to step in for him? Um, see, it, it's tough because Davis didn't play today. So had he been active, I don't know if he would have gotten more run than Bugs. But I initially think Bugs next week. Now, once Tuit's back, it could be Wormley sliding over because he won't be replacing Tuit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tend to That would probably be where I lean is Wormley being that guy. Obviously, a little bit undersized. We've already talked about that. But no matter who we have, they're going to be undersized. I also think that you see a little bit more from Isaiah Loudermilk, who we saw make his debut today. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely going to be more of a uh, by committee at that position than it is just going to be one standout guy. Now, maybe someone breaks out from the from the fold and does really well in his absence, which would be a great thing. But at least to start, I feel like they're probably going to test out multiple guys at the position and just see what they can get from all these guys and who who performs the best because it's basically what they have to do. I mean, you got some big shoes to fill with Aluelu being out. Yeah. Now I want to talk about the the performance of the defense in this game because it obviously wasn't great either. They had trouble getting off the field. But here's the thing, like going into this game when I'm sitting there 
at McFadden's. It's like 1130. We'd find out that Devin Bush and Joe Hayden are inactive. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to have to be a day where the offense kind of wins this game for you. Keep the defense off the field, extend, you know, make long drives, um, just kill the clock, kill them with the running game. That obviously didn't happen. And the defense had to, they were on the field a lot. And when you talk about missing TJ Watt for over half the game, Aluwalu from uh, that was very early in the game, so three quarters plus, uh, and then no Joe Hayden, no Devin Bush. I, I don't know what you were expecting from the defense, but whatever that was was never going to happen without those four in the lineup for that period of time that they missed. So I didn't obviously think that the defense had a great day by any means. The one thing that they surprisingly did, though, just five catches for sixty-five yards from Darren Waller, which all things considered, that's that's a pretty decent job of limiting him. I know my fantasy team was hurting a little bit, but <laughs> but that's okay. Steelers become come before fantasy, um, but yeah, they did a good job of that. I think the one the one problem they had was like the, the they containing speed. Yeah, I, that, open that, field tackling, and yeah, obviously Henry Rhodes burnt past them on that touchdown. Uh, it, it, you know what? By the way, we're keeping track of this now since you mentioned it. That was the drive right after Renegade. So we're going to start keeping track of what happens following Renegade being played. At for those field. of you who are newly new new to following the show, I am a big uh, supporter of getting rid of Renegade. I think, listen, it doesn't work. Well, we it, just it, lost at least a thousand. I don't care. Today. Come at me on Twitter if you want to. <laughs> at Wilder, on the yeah, don't stop listening to the show. Just go at him on Twitter. Fine. I don't care. I just think Renegade, sure, it gets the crowd hype. I just don't oh, think it, was... it does. It does it doesn't do anything on the field. It has absolutely nothing to do with what the Steelers do, because I mean it's, it. It doesn't matter what they do, like what what how the like. Yes, the crowd gets hype and everything, but like you said, Ruggs scores the next play. So <laughs> here's the thing that I I think of. Like I, I think that the, it does play. Like the, I think that the Steelers players do get juiced up from it as well. But I think it also does that for the like for the Raiders in this situation, the away teams in every situation. I think that they know what it means, and it also like we saw what the Bills did. Like I said, the last time that Heinz Field was full packed before this was when the Bills were here in 2019. They were dancing to it and messing around about it. Like I just think that it affects the other team the same way essentially that it affects the Steelers and it's great for the crowd and everything like that. And like you said, I'm not saying get rid of it. Like I still in, enjoy the experience and everything like that, but it's just, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, man, but it, it's crazy that it has had such a negative impact on the football <laughs> playing aspect of it You're, in recent memory. If I'm a coach of another team, I'm doing, and then this is why another week BYU is going to be brought up in the show. In in 2018, whenever BYU played at Wisconsin, they played jump around all the time at practice the week prior because that's like their big thing between third and fourth quarter. And, and so they, the BYU players said it was annoying how often they played it, but they embraced it and they, they basically enjoyed the moment at, uh, Wisconsin and was like getting hype and like jumping around themselves. If I'm a team playing the Steelers, I'm playing Redigate at practice. At least if, if you're playing in Heinz Field, I I would just embrace it, get hype as well. Yeah, they because, can feed off of that. Yeah, so I, I just like it's cool. And I, I've always I've told you I I don't really associate. I mean, now I do just because of how often you hear it. But I never really associated that song with the Steelers growing up because my dad was a Sticks fan. Um, mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, I didn't know that those existed, by the way. Like, <laughs> I, I thought yeah. Sticks was Renegade. That was it. Like, if you went to no, a Sticks yeah, my, concert, my, my dad Renegade had a Sticks greatest greatest hits CD in his car growing up. Is so that that's... just Renegade twelve times? <laughs> no, <laughs> like... there, there were some other songs on it, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. But I, th- this this performance today just sucked, I, and I don't even know where to like. I'm not really upset at the defense because how can I be? When you're missing the guys that they That's were, what I said. yeah, you had to expect this it's, was going to have to be a game where the offense carried you. We both talked like we thought this was the like a get right spot for the offense, if you will, in a in a the time and place, the right time and the right place for the run game to really get themselves going. That's what I mean when I say like extend these drives, put together time consuming drives that end with seven points. And I thought that the run game was going to be able to do that against uh, the Vegas Raiders today, and. The problem uh, is they're getting they dominated at the line of scrimmage in the run game. They they there's getting no push. I, 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 like what Najee had, what two yards that were more than like five yards or two runs that were more than five yards. So let's look at Najee. I think I know I saw he had uh, 38 yards rushing on 10 carries. His long was 14. Uh, he also did have five catches for 43 yards. But yeah, just in the run game, 10 for 38. Yeah, I, it's three point eight yards Juju, carry is not Juju do one it. for three on his his touchdown. Benny Snell two for one. <sighs> Benny Snell needs to be just sent into space. I don't do care. Do you think? Do you think? What is? I mean, I they're going to use him differently than a traditional running back. I think, but how different do you think a guy like Anthony McFarland would be right now? I think he could help you run to the outside like between the tackles it might not really affect anything because i mean if yeah. Najee's not gonna be able to what is anthony mcfarland gonna do because he's smaller and he's not that type of running back um but i, I think it would be able to help um trying to t- attack uh, teams with speed and running to the outside i think it brings a different element that not many people on the steelers have i mean they try to use it with uh clay pull a few times they, they use it with juju today on the on his touchdown um I yeah. think a, a, that similar type of play you could use for McFarland, but I, I don't know how different the actual t- offense as a whole would be because of that. Yeah. I, I, like I, I the, just because they have uh, Anthony McFarland who can add speed to the outside doesn't mean the line's going to start blocking better. And that, that's the thing. I'm not going to have faith in this offense until they prove it to me. Like from here on out, I'm just not going to expect the offense to be able to do anything. Because I I just have no faith in the offensive line and pl- plus everybody else, it's not like everybody else is doing great and the offensive line sucks. It's like the, the entire effort, no no one is performing ex- like extremely well. I think that this is a thing though for 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 us and the fan base. Like the frustration just continues to grow, and it's like even though we we say even before the season and we expect these growing pains to happen not just with the offensive line but because they have a new offensive coordinator in these things and then it actually happens and like we're frustrated about it even though we expected it to happen but i think that that's the case because now we're going on a third straight season of this it's not just like because it's it's canada's first year like we're not able to give him that pass because it's a completely rebuilt offensive line we're not giving them that pass because we've seen the exact same offense in 2019 and 2020 seemingly. Yeah, it might look a little different pre-snap and some of the the, the play calling to me actually looks kind of similar, but it ends up coming out the exact same way. So regardless of the process being different, the product has still been very similar to the last couple of years. And I think that it's that's why we're just they're not getting that pass right now is because it's just built up for us. 
Yeah, it's built up aggression um, and just frustration at this team, the offense specifically. Like I said, defense, I don't really have many complaints about the defense as a whole. Um, I mean, they, they shut down the run pretty well. I mean, I know they let up some runs towards the end, like the whenever yeah. the Raiders were basically closing out the game. But for the majority of the game, the the, the run was yeah, basically Kenyon Drake, Drake, who was supposed to be the lead back in this game, had seven for nine. Peyton Barber actually had 13 carries uh, for 32 yards, so two and a half yards per carry. Yeah, they didn't run the ball either. Yeah, that's and like I said, defense, it's hard to blame them when you're missing the guys that they were. Offense is just terrible. And, I mean, what do you expect going into Cincinnati next week? Cause, well, that's a great uh, question because that's where we're going to wrap up uh, this Steelers portion of the show is, is previewing week three, Cincinnati coming to Heinz Field. I mean, here's the thing is is we want to talk about this right now, you know, but the problem is we, we don't have status updates on these injuries that happened today or, you know, that happened Friday. We don't know if those guys are going to be able to return. But what I'll say is I'm expecting Cincinnati to be able to put up some points regardless of who's on the field for Pittsburgh, even if they are at full strength. So I think that if the offense does not finally find something, if the offense can't put up at least – 2023 they're not going to have any shot in this game and that's crazy for me to think going against Cincinnati that that's the case but that's that's kind of where we're at right now and I'm not like you know completely out on the Steelers I'm not completely down on the Steelers saying it's not going to happen I'm saying if they don't because I still think the offense can but they still have to show it to me I agree with you um I, I, I said it a little earlier but I think that Cincinnati can put up points and even with the Steelers' defense fully healthy, I think Joe Burrow and his weapons are good enough to be able to to put up some points on the Steelers. And that's the problem is they'll put up the points. I don't trust the Steelers' offense to be able to play catch-up or keep-up with the Bengals, which is crazy to say. Uh, the, the Steelers should dominate this game on paper, but that's not the case because the offense is just performing terribly. And I just expect it to roll over. I, I how how I, I expect that this performance to roll over more than I did than the Bills' performance to roll over, or, or like the, the the game against the Bills. Now, yeah. like the like you said, they didn't perform well against the Bills, but it was, showed encouraging signs later on in that game. But this, I just expect it to roll over. I have, and like you said, until they show you, why have any faith in this offense? I I can't put my faith in them. So. Honestly, I don't even know what the line's going to be when it comes out. Put your money on the Bengals. I, I just am going to expect them to win this game until I'm proven otherwise. It's it's tough. I mean, because it's pretty much uh, the blueprint for me would be pretty much the same as you got to find the run game early and you got to be able to extend drives and put up seven at the end of those drives. And yeah, I mean, they haven't been able to do that. You know, so I, I don't know how we're looking at next week right now, very optimistically, considering not just the performance on the field, but again, I don't want to keep highlighting the injuries because everybody deals with injuries. But one week ago today, this team was completely healthy, other than the players we already had on the IR. Like right. they didn't come out of Buffalo with any injuries. Now, you know, from Friday on, the injury bug has just decided to bite this team and not just any players. You know, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, but let's be honest with ourselves. Like some injuries are more important to the team, the product on the field than other injuries. If you're, if right. you're not going to have guys like TJ Watt, Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, and Deontay Johnson going against Cincinnati, that line that you're talking about is going to look a lot different than we think it could. 
it's pretty crazy that they they the the injury bug literally just took they're like okay we're gonna take your best corner we are gonna take your best <laughs> linebacker and we're gonna take your best person on that defensive line mm-hmm. and and then during the game they took the, one of the other well, and the best receiver and then they took another one of the better players on that defensive line as well yep it's, it's it crazy. sucks I will sucks. say listen I, I feel like it's all doom and gloom right now. I was back at Heinz Field today for the first time. Like I yeah, said, how since was 2019. That? The tailgate was was unreal. So let you know, before the game even started, I had already had a blast throughout the day. So many people from Twitter. That was that probably I the highlight of your day. <laughs> coming up to me. Yeah. Coming up to me and introducing themselves and just meeting a ton of people from Twitter. So shout out to Kevin Adams, who it originally started with a terrible tailgate. Steeler Nation had obviously gotten involved with Yinzers. Arthur Motes and Deke were there. Um, a Pittsburgh rapper Hardo performed on the in the bed of a truck um, <laughs> during it. Yeah, um, the the food was unreal. Uh, so shout out to Get Go for sponsoring the event, Hampton Beer Outlet for sponsoring the event. It was a great time. I really don't know what else to say about it. I also, like I mentioned earlier, made a stop at McFadden's at some point as well. If you guys follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you probably saw the video of me dancing. Um, I'm, I'm getting knee surgery on Friday, so let's just say that I'm feeling it right now. But I am a, I'm a man of the people, so the show had to go on. Yeah, my, my girlfriend got a kick out of that uh, that video. She was like, did you see Smitty's story? I'm like, oh, I've seen that in person multiple times. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but no, I had a I had an unreal time. Um, what was I, it like walking into the stadium, being in a full stadium again? Like, I'm sure the energy was just, like, pumping. I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. People are going to be like, oh, this dude is just being ridiculous right now. I honestly, like, almost cried. Really? Being 100% serious. After not being there, for there was a point where I was like, I don't know that this is ever going to happen again. You know what I yeah. mean? And like the Steelers, like specifically going to Steeler games, being around that group of people, like season ticket holders are all around me. Like that has become such a big part of my life. And did, not being able to do that last year, having that back today, unreal experience. Looking around, like when they introduced, and by the way, it was, I, I will say, I don't want to like bag on Heinz Field for this. Hopefully they're able to get their act together. They, they got to get more efficient with getting people in the stadium, checking tickets, because I, I about a quarter to a third of the stadium was not in yet when they did the offensive introductions. Really? You know how many people wanted to be there, wanted to be there when Ben was introduced. And there was a good part of the crowd not yet in their seats at that point. So I'm sure some people were upset about that, but like Ben's introduction and then Renegade, it just felt like surreal. I felt like I was in a dream at that point. Like we could feel the stadium shaking. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good day despite despite the loss. Um, I can't wait to get back to more games. Obviously, I'm gonna be out of commission for a while after Friday, but I will be back later in the season and I'm excited about it. Yeah, well, Hopefully next Sunday they can win at home. Uh, yeah, hoping. hopefully everybody that's going I, I next mean, Sunday. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose to Cincinnati, at least make it in Cincinnati. Don't make yeah. it like when's the last time Cincinnati beat the Steelers at home? It's had to have been a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly have no question. idea. But just I might have been there. I think offense. it might have been like 2014, 2013. Oh, really? 2014. Yeah. That's crazy. I was definitely there when Cincinnati beat us at Heinz Field, and it it had to have been one of those years, and I don't know that it's happened since. So that's a long time. Yeah. So figure your crap out on offense, because that's really just what is the thorn in the side of this team right now. All right. Well, Steelers, 
in Cincinnati. Cincinnati comes to Pittsburgh next week to take on the Steelers. Joe Burrow and company, it should be a pretty good game. Anybody that's going, obviously, enjoy that. Um, you know what? We, we I, I mentioned it last year. I don't know. I think a good bit of people. If you guys are going to the game, just tweet us your pictures. You know, Let us know. Let us know where you're sitting. Let us know you guys are having a good time, especially now back with, oh, what am I thinking? Last year didn't happen. That's why nobody did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so – just send us your pictures. Obviously, I, I know that that was like a highlight for a lot of people on Twitter today was everybody putting up their pictures from the tailgates and stuff. So anybody gets the uh, the chance to go to the game and experience what I was able to experience today, enjoy it. Um, and we will be back right here on Around the 412 as part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network to talk some pens with you guys when we come back after this. Right, and we are back on Around the 412 as part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Just like we did earlier in the show with the Pirates, we're going to play a little game as it pretends with the Penguins. However, Tyler, you said you wanted to bring something up. I have no idea what this is, by the way. This was not in our topic list. So Yeah, so before we get into actually what we're going to talk about with the Penguins, I just wanted to bring up, did you see the new logo that is going to be on the home Helmets, yeah. listen, I, I See, don't this is hate, why we didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> I don't hate the idea of having logos on the helmets yeah. or advertisements. It's better than doing what the KHL does and having the advertisements all over the jersey. However, if you're going to have a company called Bold Penguin make a advertisement on the helmet for the penguins and not even incorporate a penguin logo. What are we even doing here? The helmet looks so stupid. It just says bold penguin. And the font of the penguin looks terrible. Like, like I understand you probably want to keep your font as the company. But you have a little beak with an eyeball on top of the D. The mm-hmm. penguin font looks like a little kid typed it into art on whatever the computer is, whatever that app yeah. is. I, it's, it looks Bad. so stupid to me. I would rather just stick with the PPG. You know and, who it looks like designed that? A sports stooge. <laughs> That's who it looks like designed that. No free honestly, ads, but... Honestly, the, I, I, I'm assuming that they're sticking with the PPG for the away helmets. But Seems the, like, at least right now. But the bold penguin... Mm-hmm. On the home helmets, that just looks so ugly to me. It, you couldn't have incorporated it better. Like, to, like you couldn't have like worked together to come up with a better logo. I, it just it looks stupid. I, and I get it. It, it. it works for the Penguins. It's a company out of Ohio, but yeah. it works for the Penguins because it has the word Penguin in it. It. I just can't stand the look of these helmets. I'm not a fan either. Um... This is, again, something, though, that people can let us know what they think in the comments. So if you are watching on YouTube, that's great. You're already here. Be sure to subscribe, leave a comment, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. Or I'm sorry, not when we go live, when there's a new video from anybody on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Network. Um, And leave us a comment and let us know what you think about that. But also, you can leave us a comment and play along with us with what we're about to do right now. So this is going to be a little bit different than the Pirates because these players aren't currently on the Pens roster weren't last year, at least. I know one of them did spend some time here. It's going to be kind of a polarizing topic, I feel like, this year because of them 
not making a trade that we kind of anticipated, uh, but we will get to that. So let's go through some names here. You tell me if you think that they're going to be on the opening night Pens roster. So not just here at some point. Are they going to be on the Pens uh, in the Pens lineup on opening night? Philip Hollander. No, I don't think that he will be in the Jesse lineup. Marshall is very upset right now. I am too. I, <laughs> I, I think that he will make the team. However, I, oh, I believe okay. he will have a roster spot. I just don't think that he will be in the opening night lineup because when I look at the when I look at the starting starting like lineup for the Penguins, even without Sid and Gino, mm-hmm. um, that really only slides in. You basically bump up Evan Rodriguez to third line center, and you projecting Brian Boyle maybe, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, I th- I think that it doesn't really affect the wingers too much, and I, I feel like for that reason you still have um, Redeem Zahorna. You still have uh, I mean, there's Highlander, there's Sam Lafferty, there's uh, I don't know, there's, there's there's multiple guys that can fill the spot. I feel like Zahorna might get the first crack at it. Um, but I, I feel like he's not going to be in the opening night lineup, but I do think he will be on their, what, 23 contracts that they can hold, uh, at the NHL level. So I, I do think he'll be in the press box on opening night. I just don't think he'll be on the ice. Mm. Pulling a Chad Ruedel in the press box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just mentioned Brian Boyle. Let's just go there. Then is he on the opening night roster for the pens? Yes. Um, now, this is me assuming that he performs well enough that he doesn't look like an old man trying to play hockey in, in his, his tryout contract. But assuming that he does so, uh, I, I think that he will be just because without Sid and Gino, I, I mean, we know we're missing Gino for a good little bit to start the season. And you would assume Sid is probably going to miss at least a week or two, maybe even more because it said at least six weeks. So we're even right. not sure about yeah. Sid. The center depth on this team is hurting, and there's not a lot of guys that could play center. It would really have been useful if a guy like Frederick Gaudreau or Jared McCann could still be here. But nonetheless, we still have some guys that could still play center. So I think that Evan Rodriguez will slide into that third line center spot probably on the because I'm looking at like the people who can play center. He probably makes the most sense. You have uh, Carter starting on the first line, and then you have the Bluger moving up the second line. Wolf. Um, but I, I think that Brian Boyle makes sense on the fourth line if he makes enough noise to uh, work through his trial contract. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that he definitely does. Like when, when we got Boyle on this PTO, we didn't know about Sid yet, but we knew about Gino. And I was like, man, just would Gino be an outlight? That could be a path for Boyle at least opening the season on the roster once they have their healthy centers, uh, we'll see what happens there. They might just cut ties at that point. But now with sit out as well, like you mentioned, where are they finding four centers from? And, you know, that's why I brought up Hollander as well, because he can play center too. Like, is he an answer for them at center? I, I agree with you, though, on both of those things. I think Brian Boyle is on the NHL roster to start the season. I don't think that we see Hollander on the ice at least. Uh, opening night in Tampa Bay. Um, the next one's going to be one that I I hope we see sooner rather than later, but I'll answer mine right now. He, he's not going to start with the Pens this uh, season. Sam Pola. Absolutely not. Um, and I hate to say that. I wish he was, but and I, I know that if you've listened to the show for a long time, the past couple of years, I've talked about Sam Pola and Nathan Legere a lot 
um, specifically Sam Poole, and I think he'll be the first crack at the NHL level. But I no, I don't think so. He hasn't even played a game at the NHL or AHL level. I yeah. think he'll he'll probably play. I mean, at least a half a season in the AHL before he he gets a shot at the NHL. I would assume so. Maybe injuries change that timetable, but I, I think that they would start him in the AHL just because I feel like you. I, I mean, even though he is a great player, um, there are a lot of things that he could still get better at. One of those, including skating, and the skating at the junior level is a lot easier than it is the NH, NHL level and even the AHL level. I just feel like the game gets a lot faster when you make that jump. And I feel like that's something that he has to get acclimated, acclimated to. So I feel like he's going to start in the AHL. Yeah, I agree with you. He, let, I mean, let's be, there's a lot of people that are doubting his transition at all. Like thinking that they don't, he doesn't even have like an NHL future whatsoever. So we'll see. We kind of need him to with how, you know, shallow the Penn's prospect pool is. So I don't want to hear that, but it's like rank the worst. Yeah. Is, is it officially the worst in the NHL this year? Yeah, I think so. Yep. I mean, different people have different rankings, but I saw uh, somebody with the athletic man. I wish I knew their with the, who it was. So I'd give them credit, but they had them at thirty-one. So yeah. I mean, Seattle obviously doesn't have anything right now, so they're thirty-two. But that's true. I mean, it makes uh, sense because just looking at the prospects, you've you've got Philip Pollander, who we're hopeful will make the team. Then you got Pullen mm-hmm. and Legere, who were draft picks in two thousand nineteen. Um, and then I th- I would say you've got the goal- the goalies Callie Quang- Klang and Joel Blomquist uh, from last year's draft. And then after that, I mean, there's a couple guys that get talked about, um, but no one that really makes a splash in the water. And so I just I think that you have like the top guys, and then a whole lot of nothing. There's just a bunch of crap, and yeah. it's just basically just guys that fill in the AHL roster because they need to play games. There's not too many guys that we're like, oh, when's this guy going to be making his debut? Like, we're not we, – we don't have that right now in yeah. the system. I'm hoping um, Hextall changes that over the next few years. That's what he's known for. But mm-hmm. we'll have yeah. to wait and see. It's going to need replenished at some point. Uh, Dom Simone, back with the Pens. It's on a two-way deal, though. Do we see him in the opening lineup? You know, I completely forgot to mention him when I was talking about who could be that 12th forward in the in the first NHL game. Um, mm. But I'm going to say no. Um, and the only reason being as much as I love Dom Simone, honestly, yeah, (laughs) that's literally my reason. The only reason I think that he would start is if Sid was there and Sid wanted him to be his right wing and maybe bump Russ down to like help spread the wealth among the lines. But without him, we, I mean, we seen Dom Simone, uh, play on like a fourth line level. And I feel like he's played on fourth line levels with some some teams. He's had better talent, uh, like some of the Penguins a couple years ago. I, I remember whenever he played with it was Simone Hornquist and Bukestad in the, mm-hmm. at the end of the 2019 season. That that line actually was probably the best line going into that that playoffs before we got embarrassed by the Islanders. Um, but I I feel like we just see him in the AHL. I just don't think that he's going to crack the the lineup. I, I don't think that he is a guy you're going to stick on the bottom six. Uh, what value does he really have there? If he's going to play at the NHL level, it would be with a guy like Sid. Just And the, the main reason is because Sid likes him. Um, yeah. And and we, we know the guy, that he, the player that he is. We know his value. He is a good playmaker. I, I But even though we know that, I also know on a fourth line, what's he really adding? Um especially with the fourth line the Penguins might be rolling into the season with. So 
yeah, I'm yeah. gonna say no. I'm also gonna say no. It's pretty t- tough though. Like I think that that's a close one. It's not yeah. as tough as this one for me though. They got to find a spot for him, in my opinion. It doesn't look like it's gonna happen right away, barring a move. I thought that this move was gonna come in the off season. Poj. No, he's not going to, and it's because their left side is full. Who are you going to sit on the left side? Are you going to sit? Uh, you're not going to sit Dumlin. Are you going to sit Matheson, or uh, are you going to sit Pedersen? And, and neither of those guys, I don't think you're going to sit, especially because of how much money they make. Hey, can Matheson help out with the forwards? Honestly, he probably could. <laughs> he, he basically is a, another forward out there when he's uh-huh. on defense, but. I I just think that there's there's too much of a log jam at the left side defensive and and, and that's including like do we think Yuso Rikola is going to be the fourth uh, left side defenseman that is sitting up in the press box whenever the games are happening um, because you, you would like to have like one of each at least mm-hmm. uh, so I, I just think that they're going to start um, POJ in. Wilkesbury, I would like to see a move happen to get one of those left side defensemen out. That way, he can make his role like permanent at the NHL level. It's just tough to happen when you have Matheson and Pedersen. Well, one's making four point eight million dollars, the other's making four point one million dollars, or something like that. And we know like money isn't everything when it comes to who the coach plays. But when you're talking about money like that, and like these, these guys aren't slouches either. It's not like this is like Jack Johnson we're talking about that that we is just like yeah. such an obvious black hole on the ice. They could be productive in their own right, especially like guys like Mark Pedersen. We are really big fans of his. Mike Matheson performed pretty well last season compared to what we thought he was going to be. So it's yeah. really tough to pull one of those guys out of the lineup when you throw in the money and there's just too many guys. That's the concern for me, though, now is like you just mentioned Matheson, how, you know, he played pretty well last year. Like Sullivan did the perfect job of sheltering his minutes and getting him out on the ice in the perfect scenarios. And it was also with a guy that's no longer here in Cody Cece. So what does Mike Matheson look like this year? And I think that that's the biggest thing. It's like not what he did last year. Like last year was fine. The concern is that his contract and how that's going to be long term for this team. So, yeah, if I had my choice, it would be keeping Pedersen, moving Matheson, opening up that spot for POJ. But like you, I just I don't see it happening. That would be my so. choice as well. And just to say what I think is going to happen going into the season, or at least what would I would do when it comes to defensemen, Latang and Dumla are obviously your top pairing. I would move up Pedersen from – because for the majority of last year, he played on the bottom pairing, I believe. Um and I would I would basically have him and Marino as your t- your number or two the pairing, and then I would put Matheson with a guy like Chad Ruweedle. Um, I feel like Chad Ruweedle is stable enough on defense yeah. to be able to allow Matheson to do the things offensively that he wants to do, and being on the third pairing that would help shelter his minutes enough. Um, that way, he could be be a similar type of player that we saw last season. Yeah, I, I think Chad Ruedel, honestly, like I understand, you know, Cody Cece outperformed what we expected to last year. I still would have been pounding the table for Ruedel to play over Cece. That's just me. That's probably not a popular opinion. You can let me know in the comments how terrible of an opinion that is. But I'm, I'm a big Chad Ruedel fan. I don't think I think he deserves better than being a seventh defenseman. So I think he should absolutely be that third. I can't wait for DK to listen to this because we, we know how big of a Cody Cece guy that he is. So I can't wait for him oh, well. to roast you. But we'll bring bring Ben Gamble back for him. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I am a huge fan of Chad Rudolph. Both of us are. Um, We've said it a lot on the show over the past few years. 
But um, do you think that they're going to for sure go with Ruedel, or do you think that Mark Friedman has a really good chance? No, yeah, I think it's a competition. I think yeah. it's a pretty open competition, to be honest with you. Um, I just think that Ruedel ends up winning the job. It's it's weird that though they're they're fine with like Friedman also playing on the left side. Like they like his versatility, obviously, to play on either side. But just when you talk about that third pairing right-handed defenseman, I think Ruida wins it. Actually, Friedman playing on the left side is probably another reason that POJ wouldn't be here. Um, because you have him and possibly Rikola in front of him. Again, we I said it a few weeks ago. I really don't know why Rikola is still here. He never yeah. plays. He doesn't even play in the AHL. He basically just sits in the press box looking pretty all the time. Um, I, I, I don't get it because Sullivan isn't a guy that likes him, I don't think. And so what value is he bringing to the team to just sit in the press box? I don't know. But you guys in the comments, please let us know what you think. Philip Hollander, Sam Polin, Brian Boyle, Dom Simone, POJ, which guys, if any of them, are going to be on the Pens opening night roster? Let us know in the comments. Please subscribe to the channel. Leave us a like. Uh, hit the notification bell so you know when all the videos go up for these podcasts, for the daily shots, all the content from the show, the Steelers today, everything. Uh, last thing else? from me, last yes. thing from me is something that is partially Penguin related, not really that much anymore. It really stung to see Mark Andre Fleury in a Chicago Blackhawks jersey. I'm not mm. gonna lie, that that was it tough to be look a pen at. show if he didn't somehow get brought up. But I mean, yeah, it, it I was tough. It looks weird. It, it, looks yeah, weird. I, I I mean, weirder than seeing him in the Vegas one. Yeah, the Vegas the Vegas was. I feel like that one was more normal, especially because we knew it was happening. Yeah. The the Chicago one just kind of came out of nowhere. And the fact yeah. that he and everybody was saying, like, oh, he's never gonna he's not gonna play. There's no way he's gonna play. He decides to play, and then we see him in the Chicago Blackhawks jersey. It's just I don't know how I feel yeah. about it. I don't really like it, but getting to see a picture of him to sit together made me happy though. There you go. There's the bright spot of it. Yep. Um, last thing before we do go and mention on every show, rocking around the 412. It is officially launched to be going up to like one a week before Christmas. It's our yearly Christmas mission. This is year four. The first three years, we've raised over $10,000 to go directly to families in the Pittsburgh and surrounding area communities. Um, every single penny goes to these families. People that donate are going to be eligible to win prizes that typically include pretty much all Pittsburgh sports memorabilia that's kind of what we do right around the 412 um that comes out of our pockets so like every penny that is donated goes to these families for toys electronics clothes gift cards etc etc with whatever money is left over we get the family a gift card for the local grocery store whatever that might be so they can go and get the groceries necessary to make a christmas meal um that's that's been the mission for the last few years Year one was a little different. We don't need to really get into that. It was still good. The money went to a pediatric hospital. But the last couple of years, we've really been able to dig into the grassroots of our community and and see where the money is going and what you guys are providing. It's been awesome. You guys see the pictures. You see the videos. If you follow us on Twitter, at around the 412. Anyways, all the information is in uh, on our Twitter and our pinned tweet. It will take you directly to the GoFundMe to read the mission. You can donate there. You can share it there. So please do so. Every penny goes to these families, and we appreciate you guys for helping us make it happen. Uh, other than that, for Tyler, for Smitty, for Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, make sure you guys check out all the other shows as well. They're doing great things too. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.